Well, good morning. Welcome to Keystone. My name is Ryan King. Um, I work here on staff with our students and our young adults, and I'm super excited to be here this morning on the stage with you guys. Really excited about the series called The One Thing. If you are here last week, Bob kicked it off. It was amazing. I have the honor and the privilege of uh, speaking this morning, and then Brady gets to repair the damage next week. Um, so I'm really excited about it and really, really stoked just to be again here and able to teach with you guys and be with you guys. So where I want to start this morning is actually with a story um, from my life. One of my greatest passions, one of my favorite places in the entire world is the camp that I worked at for three different summers. It's called the Springs Camp. I have a picture of all the staff here. I'm down here, super cute. You can feel it radiate a whole lot. Um, so... I love working at camp for three summers. Uh, I got to work with so many students, so many amazing people. Um, but where my story starts isn't actually in those three summers, but it's the one after where I got invited back to actually speak for a week of senior high camp. It was a, such a cool honor and privilege to be able to go to the camp and just talk to campers and, and talk about the Lord and share that with them. And it was so cool. Um, but we were playing this game during the week called Nine Square in the Air, which looks like this. And essentially what is it, it is, is nine squares in the air, right? Um, pretty self-explanatory. And the way the game works, though, is you stand, under, you stand under the squares and you have to get the ball up and out and down into someone else's square. And if it hits the ground or they hit it too many times, they're out. And the goal is you want to be the person in the middle. That's like the king, the ace square that you want to be in. So I was playing this, um, and, and all the campers, all the counselors were there. It was right before chapel time, right? And we were hanging out. Um, we were playing. And I'm a shorter guy, so I have a little bit of that complex that I need to be good at things, especially if it involves jumping. Um, um, so I was going hard because I wanted to impress the kids, wanted to have a good time, and I was up against two other counselor guys. So we were, we were in like one of those center, like you see where the center like corner is, and I remember the ball went up, right? The ball went up into the corner, and me and the two other counselors, who are both very masculine and aggressive, um, jump up, and like I'm ready to just meteor smash this, and I don't care who's in the way of it. So we go up for this ball, but one of them, being taller, hits it first. So my swing, like, it makes me, un like, calibrate in the air. And I come down right on the edge and corner of my foot. And my whole weight follows down, just crushing my ankle underneath it. And you know, if you play sports or if you've seen that, there's that quick little twist that happens, that quick little you know, and you hear that pop and you feel that pop. And I just crumple to the ground and I get up. I'm like, this has happened. I'll be all fine. And I'm like, I am not okay. Some campers come up and they're like, are you okay? I'm like, I'm okay. I'm fine. So I walk outside, right? And I'm like, this isn't a big deal. Chapel is starting. Like the music is going and I'm supposed to teach at this thing, right? So one of my counselor friends comes out and he's like, are you okay? And I'm like, I am not okay, right? So long story short, he runs across the entire camp, gets the health officer. She comes, wraps my leg in ice, puts me on some crutches, pops me full of pain pills, right? And like chapel's nearing the end and I need to teach. So like I walk it like a crutch in there and then I head up to the front. And I'm like, all right, guys, here's the thing. Like this is how I start my, my teaching with them. I go, if something weird might happen here, and if it does, it's either because the Holy Spirit has really convicted me or those five pain pills are really taking over right now. So a quick assurance for you, I'm not on any pain meds, but I really do hope the Holy Spirit convicts me this morning. But this is why I tell you this story about Nine Square, is I'm one of those people that if I take a physical injury, I will ignore it and try to live my regular life, right? Like the next day I was trying to bike on this ankle and I was like, I don't need crutches, like trying to walk like across camp. And it was bad because the next day it looked like this. 
right? So like you can see, it was like all up. This is just nasty and huge. I wanted to get it as close so you could feel that, right? Because here's the thing. I was ignoring the damage done to my foot at all costs because I was like, I can do my own thing. I can just rock it, right? But I eventually went to the doctor that week and they told me, you have a major sprain and this is going to take a couple months to actually heal. And, and here's the thing that I think I want to start with, why I want to start here, is that I had to start to change my mindset and actually assess the real damage done so that I could experience healing, right? I was willing to like hobble around on this sprained ankle and, and avoid the damage done because I didn't want to face reality. See, I think the first step to change, the first step to healing, the first step to restoration is being honest with where we are at. It's being able to assess the real damage that's happening in our lives. And that's where we're going with our lesson this morning. So we're jumping into the book of Nehemiah. If you were here last week, Bob got us started. We're in chapter two, but where we're at in our story is Nehemiah has traveled 500 miles from Susa to Jerusalem. If you're a map person, here's a quick map from you. So on the right there, Susa, and this red path was likely the journey he took over to Jerusalem, 500 miles. He travels all this distance and he has, he, all he knows is the news. He's never seen the damage done to Jerusalem. He's never actually experienced that, but he knows it's a disaster area. And when he gets there, there's people living in and around where the destroyed city is, the people of Jerusalem at that time. And they don't know about the day that Nehemiah learned that the city was in shambles. They don't know that his heart broke for the city. They don't know that he spent four months mourning. They don't know that he was the cupbearer and risked his life asking to go fix the city. They don't know that he has permission to harvest lumber. They don't know a lot of things about Nehemiah. And what's interesting is when he arrives, he doesn't tell them why he's there because he hasn't yet determined how bad the situation is. So as we walk through the story with Nehemiah this morning, I think we can get some clues about how we also can bring change into our lives and also into the lives of other people around us. But here's, here's the honest reality. Whether you made some New Year's resolutions or not, we all experience times where we know we have to change. We've been walking around on that sprained ankle for too long and we know we have to fix something. And perhaps you're there today, but I can guarantee you there'll be a tomorrow where that will happen. So what then can we learn from Nehemiah? I think the first step is assessing the damage. So he writes uh, in his book, so this is an autobiography by Nehemiah. So in Nehemiah 2, uh, 12, he says this. So I set out during the night with a few others. So he's been there in Jerusalem and he sets out during the night with a few others. And I had not told anyone what my God had put on my heart to do for Jerusalem. He goes on to say, by night, I went out through the valley gate towards the jackal well and the dung gate, which we go, nice, right? Examining the walls of Jerusalem, which had been broken down and its gates, which had been consumed by fire. So I looked up, the word examining in Hebrew because I wanted to be impressive and I hope I am, but also because I think there's a really cool clue here. This word examining in Hebrew actually means to like inspect a wound. In Hebrew, it means something more medical. So, so as, as Nehemiah is approaching, he's saying, I'm, expecting, I'm inspecting something that is damaged and hurt and broken and injured. So there's more of this like injured metaphor that's being played here with 
Jerusalem itself. And, and I love that he just goes through and he inspects the city. If you're a visual person, I didn't really know a whole lot about Jerusalem, honestly, before this teaching, aside from a couple things in the Bible. But this is what Jerusalem looks like a little bit. So it's kind of like an exclamation point that's going. And all these walls that Nehemiah is walking around are all destroyed. The gates are down. The city is basically leveled. It's ruins. And if you want to know where he walked, just because you're a visual person like I am, here's a little like graph of it. So he starts up here at the valley gate, walks down by the Siloam pool, King's Garden, Dung Gate, which again we go, Nice. And then up through Fountain Gate and beyond, inspecting all of the walls. See, here's the thing. Nehemiah really did want to know how bad things really were. Again, he had heard about the damage, but there's a difference between hearing and seeing. There's a difference between knowing and experiencing. So the question then for us is we need to to realize that if we want to change, we need to hold the lantern up and really assess the damage. What will it take for us to really look and experience the mess that sometimes can be our lives? See, I think a lot of the time in my life, especially regarding my ankle situation, we tend to diminish or avoid the problem altogether. But if you really want to change, if you really want to experience the life God wants for you, the first step is to assess the damage of what's really going on. That might mean actually opening up the credit card bills. That means actually counting the mind-altering substances that we've been consuming. That might mean really evaluating how is our family really doing? How are all the individuals really doing? And I think this series isn't just about self-change. I think when we come to the New Year's, we kind of look inwards, but there's a lot that's happening in the external world. Like what's really going on in our community, in our city, in our government, in our climate? There's huge things happening. Are we willing to look not only at our own mess, but the mess around us? Because sometimes we really do have to look. To break free from an addictive habit or to change the world, we have to be honest with ourselves. You know, we have to be honest. And Nehemiah, Nehemiah, what I love that he does is that's his first act. He doesn't try to fix anything right away. He doesn't try to convince people right away. He just wants to know what the damage is like. But here's a word of, caution, a word of caution, a quick aside for you. When assessing the damage, you shouldn't do more damage in that process, right? If somebody is part of the damage, is part of what's going on, you shouldn't cause more hurt along the way. Like Nehemiah is not like walking along, like throwing rubble places and like jackhammering down, right? He's just seeing what's there. And also in our lives, that observation we have to be careful with. So then this night passes by by Nehemiah. He's walked around. He's taken a couple of his probably friends with him. And he calls the people of Jerusalem together. It's time for the talk. So he brings them all together. And the people have no idea why he's there, what what he's about. And Nehemiah says this to him in 2.17. He says, Then I said to them, You see the trouble we are in. Jerusalem lies in ruins and its gates have been burned with fire. He continues on to say, Come, let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem, and we will no longer be in disgrace. 
So a quick, like a little quick, like little history nugget for you here. Babylon had just demolished the city of Jerusalem in 586 BC. When Nehemiah comes, it's 445 BC. Over a hundred years have gone by. So the people there, they probably didn't see ruins anymore. They had just landscaped around the rubble. See, it's, it's natural for us to get used to spiritual apathy. We get used to no communication with our spouse. We get used to that person just treating us that way. We get used to underfunded schools. We get used to bleak climate, right? We get used to these things. But what Nehemiah wants to do here is he wants to unveil their eyes so they really see, that they really see the damage that's going on. And I love what he says here. I love that he says, see the trouble we are in. I love that idea of giving them new eyes. Going back to that examining thing, here's the thing. The people there had just been moving on with their own lives, but Nehemiah wants them to say, see the trouble. Because here's the thing. It wasn't just that a city was leveled. Jerusalem was the center of their culture, the center of who the Jewish people were as a people. So for him to say, see what's actually going on, it's not just the city, it's our identity. It's who we are. And for us too, if we are to unveil our eyes to the problems going on, to the mess in our life, that mess has something to say about who we are and if we're willing to move forward into it. But I also love this part. He says, see the trouble we are in. And I think this is such a cool piece of encouragement. Because it's so important to realize that if we need to change our lives, we don't have to do it alone. A lot of the time, the best way for change or the best way to move forward in our life is to invite others into the journey. And the best example that I could think of of this is our good friends Frodo and Sam, right? So if you know nothing about Lord of the Rings, here's a quick recap for you. There's one ring, right? The one ring needs to be thrown into Mount Doom or else the whole like, country will be destroyed. All of Middle Earth will be taken over by evil. And it's up to Frodo to do that, right? And on his journey, he experiences pain and heartache and trouble and all of these crazy things. And if you've seen these films, the only way he makes it through is because Sam was on the journey with him, right? Some would say that Sam carried him most of the way through it, but that's me personally. But anyways, and it's an incredible just picture of what it means to move forward with somebody because friendship and love are always good things, you know, are always good things, especially when you're looking to change. See, going back to Nehemiah's situation, I wonder, I wonder how the people reacted at first when they hear Nehemiah say this. Like, hey, look at what's going on. Look at the damage. We need to rebuild. Let's do this together. But Nehemiah, in that same talk, he says, God has actually inspired me to do this. He's put it on my heart. God has opened the eyes of the king. He's given me these, these permissions. All these doors have been opened because of God. See, I believe that God has a soft spot, soft spot for people who actually want to change. See, if we look at Jesus's life, some of Jesus's most gracious words were to the broken and hurting people. But some of Jesus's harshest, most challenging words were to those too proud to see their own brokenness. 400 years after Nehemiah, James, the brother of Jesus, writing to Christians of the time who were following his own brother, who he believed to be the Lord, says this, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. I love that. God opposes the proud, but gives grace 
to the humble. And James is actually referring to some ancient wisdom literature in the book of Proverbs. And Proverbs says this kind of thing over and over again. And I think we too have to hear this over and over again because we can become too proud to see the brokenness. But if we remember that God shows grace and some translations say show favor to those who are humble and willing to look at the brokenness, then I believe God will come to the aid of those people. God is interested in restoration in your life and in my life and of those who are following Jesus. What if you start to change and God shows up in a crazy way? Like what if in your marriage you start to try again, you start to repair some of that damage and God gives you just a good night where you connect, right? What if you begin to try with your financial life and just God provides in a crazy way that you, you never saw happening, right? What, how, how might God move if we jump out of the starting blocks and start to change? And here's just the reality sometimes. Sometimes the change we want to see doesn't necessarily happen the way we want it, right? But I believe that if we start to pursue God and Jesus and love, that our lives will be more worthwhile in pursuing that which is good than staying in the spot of brokenness. Because here's the difference. There's a difference between thinking of beginning and actually beginning. There's a difference between finding a church and being a church. You know, there's a difference between buying a book on healthy finances and not going to Qdoba because their $4 kids, like kids nachos is such a good deal. You have to look it up, but that's a quick aside. I just wanted to share some wisdom with you. It is a great deal. I, I could go on. If you want that, you can come to me. It's a tidbit. Email me. I'll let you know. It's the best thing in the world. But anyways, there's a difference between going to the gym and getting on a treadmill. See, there's this guy that I wanted to bring up today. His name is Blake Mykoski, and some of you guys might have heard of him before because he created Tom's. He's the founder of Tom's, which essentially are these sleek, simple shoe. And he came up with the idea in 2010 that if he sold one pair, he could give one pair. And he was doing this out of his apartment. And some of you guys might be wearing Tom's today. It's a, it's a huge, huge um, like shoe brand and it set a model that was unprecedented for the time. But this is what I want to talk about him because this is something recent that I think was just incredible. So, so Blake lives in California around Thousand Oaks, right? And if you have stayed uh, current with the news, recently there was a shooting in Thousand Oaks, California. And he got a call from his wife and they started talking about this issue of gun violence and he knew something needed to be done. So the action he took, he actually donated $5 million to organizations trying to stop gun violence. And, and he started this thing on the website where you can just enter your information and it sends a postcard to your local, like your local state rep that just says, hey, 90% of Americans are in favor of universal background checks. Can, can we at least take this small step to possibly helping a bigger problem? And here's the thing, like that small step might not fix the problem all in all, but he saw something, he saw brokenness, he saw hurt, and he was willing to step out and make a change. And for you this morning, you might be, well, that's great. He's got wealth and he's got influence and, and, and he can do these things, right? But I really believe that God has given you the wealth and the influence in your life to make the change in your life that you need. God has given you all that you need to be able to pursue a life after Jesus. So here's the challenge. Can, can we get started? Can we move forward? Can we begin this work? 
See, the people in Nehemiah's story, they started. They started the work. They started to rebuild because it's not just commitment to an idea, but it's consistency in the commitment. And I don't know what that looks like for you. But I, again, believe that if we pursue Jesus, if we pursue love, if we pursue God, the change will be incredible, not only in ourselves, but in those around us. We'll experience happiness and patience and and just some incredible emotion, like joy in the progress of changing. But here's reality. Probably the first thing you're going to experience is pain, right? Is tension, is push back against it. Because here's the thing for Nehemiah, the first thing they started to experience was like ridicule and heckling and mockery by people. People saying, you can't do this. What is the use? What is the point? But Nehemiah responds with, hey, we're doing this. And if you don't want a part, you're not a part, right? We are resolved to make this change. Pain is going to be one of those first emotions. Like if you're looking to change financially, it might mean downgrading your car and everybody will know that you downgraded your car. Relationally, if you're like, I want to pursue my faith and take it seriously, people will be like, why why do you want to do that? You've never been all about that mushy, gushy Jesus stuff, right? Finan- uh, an addiction, if you have an addiction and you come to the reality that you have one and you reveal that, you bring that to the light, People are going to know and some people might be hurt. If you start taking climate change seriously and making those small changes like new light bulbs and not eating as much meat, which sounds ridiculous, people are gonna say that sounds ridiculous, but at least you wanted to change for the benefit of yourself and your world and your community. I think in the beginning, we're gonna experience pain, but I think there's gonna be joy in the process. There's going to be resistance. Again, for Nehemiah, it begins with mockery and it's going to turn from words to swords. And for some of us, we're going to experience a lot of tension when we start to change ourselves or the world around us. But as we assess the damage and actually see what's happening in our lives, as we get out of the chair and begin to move, whether it's on the treadmill or we start to change our finances, our, our relationships, and as we experience the positive emotion of progress amidst the pain. I believe God will be walking with you the whole time, not making it easy, but making it worthwhile. So if you guys are willing and able to stand with me, I'll pray for us um, and you guys can enjoy this amazing Sunday. Dear God, thank you so much for the stories you continue to tell us in your word. God, I am so incredibly honored to be here on the stage and to teach about change, not just in ourselves, but in our world. And I pray for the friends that are here that, that the, the change or the hurt or the pain that's going on, it's hard to look at. But God, I believe that when you enter into the situation, you give us the everything we need to really assess the damage and to change our lives and to change the world. God, I pray that Keystone is a place where all of the people, all of this church just radiates your light and your love. Not living perfectly, but just trying to live like Jesus. And God, I pray that that light and that love can live out in the rest of the world and make a bigger change in our community. God, thank you so much for Nehemiah. Thank you for the story that you continue to tell through hundreds and thousands of years in us today in this building. We pray these things by your great and powerful name. Amen. Thank you so much. You guys have a great Sunday.